Okay, so obviously the Yom Tov of Shavuos is the Yom Tov where Klal Yisrael receives the Torah. Now the Torah has two parts. There's the written Torah, which is the Torah Shev which is Tanakh. And then there's the oral Torah. The main body, everything else is under the under the uh, auspices of the oral Torah. Now the main body of the oral Torah is Shas, is Gemara, is Talmud Bavli. There are two Rabbonim that are synonymous with all of Talmud Bavli. The Gemara tells us in Sukkah, Dav Chavches the Gemara says, Tan Rabbonon, Shmoinim Tamidim Hayiloy Lehil Lazokin. Hil Lazokin, the Hillel, had 80 students. And it describes the greatness of their students, and we'll see why this is relevant in a moment. Thirty of them are, were so great that they were worthy to have the Shechina rest on them the way it rested on Moshe Rabbeinu. That's thirty of the eighty. Thirty of them are so great that it will be worthy for the sun to stand, to stay, uh, and not to set for them the same way the sun did not set for Yeshua ben Nun. And uh, this is during one of the battles as they entered Israel. And Esrim Beninim, and there's twenty that were in between those sixty. Godel Shabakum, who is the greatest of all the students of Hillel, Yoinusim Benuzil. Yoinusim Benuzil, who wrote the uh, Targum Yoinusim. Koten Shabakulam, who is the, the lowest in stature of all the students. Rav Yecham ben Zakeh. The lowest of all the students is Rav Yecham ben Zakeh. So says the Gemara, Amra Allah Rav Yecham ben Zakeh. Rav Yecham ben Zakeh, who is the smallest of the students of Hillel, what do they say about Rav Yecham ben Zakeh? Shloi Haniach, that he was a complete master in Mikra. Mishnah, Gemara, in Mikra, in Tanakh, Mishnayis, Gemara, Halachos, in Halacha, Agados, in Medrash, Dikduke Torah, the details of Torah, Dikdute Sofrim, the details of writing Svarim, Kaldim Vechamurim, both small parts of Torah and big, difficult parts of Torah, Gezer Shavos, he knew how to apply Gezer Shavos, which is one of the ways that the Torah makes drushes. Tzkufus, he understood astronomy, Gematrius, he knew Gematrius, Sichas Malachi Asharis, he knew the speech of Malachim, Sicha Shedim, he was able to communicate with Shedim, understand the speech of Shedim, Sichas Dekolim, he was able to understand the speech of nature, of the palm trees, Mishalos Kovsin, Mishalos Shulim, he was able to understand all mushals, all, all uh, you know, uh, all those Mishalim, um, Mishalim of uh, foxes, Mishalim of launderers. These are different types of Mishalim that people would apply. He was a bucky in all, uh, you know, all of these concepts. Davar Gadol v'davar Katan. He knew big stuff and he knew small stuff. What's big and small? Davar Gadol Maisim Merkava. Big stuff is Kabbalah, Maisim Merkava. Understand the chariots, understand the inner workings of Shemayim. Davar Katan, what's a small thing that he knew? Havayis, Abay, and Rava. Our Gemara, which is the questions and conversations between Abaya and Rava. You see from this Gemara that the definition of all of Shas is defined as Abai and Rava's conversations. Abai and Rava are synonymous with all of Shas. They are the most quoted Amiroyim in all of Shas. So let's talk about Rava for a little bit. The truth is, a couple years ago I gave a shir and I quoted this Rav Tzadik. This is Rav Tzadik in Rasise Laila. Rav Tzadik writes, Kol halacha shalchalch Talmud. You see, this is something interesting. A lot of times you don't focus on this when you're in yeshiva. You're very used to understanding what the Gemara says. But you're very, very rarely do you ask why. Meaning, let's say it's a machloikas, Abay and Rav, Beisham and Rav and Shmuel, whoever you want to pick. Now, 
Rav had his opinion, Shmuel had his opinion. Rav had his sources, Shmuel had his sources. Rav had his questions, Shmuel had his questions. The thing is, Rav and Shmuel both knew exactly the entire Torah, right? which means they knew all the arguments, they knew all the proofs. What motivated Rav to say one thing and Shmuel to say another thing? Meaning, Beishama is, is, is strict, Beishil is lenient in a certain scenario. Why? It's not like Beis Hillel didn't know where Beishama was coming from and vice versa. They all knew. If they knew all of Torah, that means they knew all the arguments, they knew the Svaras, they knew the proofs. So what pushed Beishamai to be strict and what pushed Beis Hillel to be, to be lenient? So a couple years ago I gave a shir where I, I described two Tanoim, Rav, uh, Rav Loz and Rav Yeshua, who argue a lot, and I explained that their arguments were not just based on intellectual motivations, because intellectually they all sort of saw each other's sides. It was deeper than that. It was... There was something in their soul. It was part of their neshama was pushing them a certain way. And that's a key aside to understand the depth of, of Gemara. It's that it, it wasn't just an intellectual pursuit by these, by these Rabbanim, these Sadiqim. Their neshamas were pushing them a certain way. Look at Rav Tzadik writes in Rasisei Laila. He says, All the laws that are found in Gemara it was revealed in their hearts, and not just in their minds. I mean, this was not just an intellectual argument. You see, what makes the... You see, what, 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 if it's just intellectual, then what separates, like, the Vilna Gain from Rav and Shmuel? So is it knowledge? Rav and Shmuel... I mean, the Vilna Gain knew all of Torah, backwards and forwards. The answer is it's deeper than that. It was the strength of their souls... And Rav and Shmuel's neshamas were pushing them in certain ways to lean towards certain arguments over the other. Because if it's just intellectual, then it's not real Because it can't just be that it's, you know, intellectual pursuit, like all of the intellectual pursuits. Because if it's just intellectual, then what separates the Vilna Gain? from a tzaddik 3,000 years ago. It can't just be knowledge. Rather, It started with their souls and started with their hearts, that their neshamas pushed them a certain way. And that led to different arguments. So, the truth is, it would be an amazing thing to be able to reveal, to be able to explain each neshama of different Tana and Amaira to sort of see where they were coming from. So that year I gave was Rav Loza and Rav Yeshua. And they came from different places. Din and, uh, you know, Chesed and Gvura. And it explains a lot. I can't say it explains every Machlaikas because, uh, you know, it's hard to do that. Also you have to know. But this is just a little bit of a taste of what was going on. I'd like to talk about Rava. I'd love to explain a little bit about Rava, to explain where, his, where he came from, and as we'll see, that affected a lot of the arguments in Gemara. I can't say all, because I'm not, I'm not well-versed. And I'm only basing on what I've seen in Svarim, because you, uh, you can't be a cavalier in these things. But I think that if you understand where Ravi was coming from, I think it'll help. I, I think it'll legitimately help to explain. And also what it does is it shows you the depth of knowledge. It shows you the breadth of what, what, what Shas is. It's not just like, you know, for some people, Gemara's arguments, things that don't seem relevant... These are towering neshamas, and, and where they're Gilgula and where they're coming from, that motivates them. So let's, let's, let's dive right in. 
All of what we're going to talk about tonight is based on Maramakam number three and Maramakam number four. And that is to explain where is the soul of Rava coming from. So let's give a little bit of a background. You have in Parshas Vayera, we know that Avram had Lot, right? Avram's lo- uh, Avram had um, Lot was his nephew, and they were originally very close, and then they uh, they uh, they separated a little bit. They split up. Lot went to Sodom. We also know that there was a war between the four kings and the five kings. In middle of that war, which by the way, one of the main uh, protagonists in the war was the king of Bavel, Nimrod. So in that war, Lot gets captured. Avram Avinu then goes and is Moser Nefesh and risks his life to save Lot. He captures Lot, he saves Lot. That's the end of the story. There's a Pasuk. The Pasuk says, Vayichu es Lot. They took Lot when they captured him. Vesrichusho and all of his belongings. Ben Achi Avram. Ben Achi Avram. Who is Lot? He is Avram's nephew. And he was living in Saddam. Now there's a very obvious problem in this Pasuk. It says, Vayichu es Lot. They took Lot and all his belongings. Who is Lot? It's Avram's nephew. Wouldn't it make more sense to write, Vayichu es Lot? They took Lot, Ben Achi Avram, who's the nephew of Avram. And they took all of what Lot has. They said they took Lot and all of his, and all his belongings. And who is Lot? It's his nephew. Wouldn't it just say, they took Lot, the nephew of Avram, and they took all his belongings. That, that flows much better. Why is it written in this, in this uh, strange way? So that Arizal said something amazing. We know that Lot, one of the stranger parts of the stories that maybe we'll talk about afterwards, is that after Sodom is destroyed, the Pasuk tells us, I'm sorry, the, the war took place in Lachacha, but in Vayera, after, Lo, after Sodom is destroyed, Lot has two daughters with him. They think legitimately that, um, that, that they're the only people left on earth. So they have a strange thing where they live with Lot. They live with their father. First the older daughter, then the younger daughter. And they have children. They each have children. The children that they have from those unions, the older daughter has Moab, and the younger daughter has Amon, Amon and Moab. Now famously, Moab is the, is, the, is the nation that Rus came from, Rus HaMoavia, right? It's Shavuos, we're going to learn Megillus Rus. Rus comes from Moab. And also, in addition, David HaMelech comes from Rus. So that itself, maybe we'll talk about later, that, that that's a very strange thing, that David HaMelech, Mashiach Tzidkenu, comes from this strange place, this strange union. But we'll talk about that later. What a lot of people don't know is that the other daughter... Uh, who is the mother of Ammon, one of her descendants was a, a person named Rava. Rava came from that union. Pasha means physically, it could mean spiritually, but Pasha means physically. So look at the Arizal said. The Arizal writes in Lakute Torah, Ki Avram Vinu Halach Lahatzel is Nishmasel Rava. Shahoisa Tmuno Eitzalaipistan. That understands something amazing. That Avram Avinu knew that the soul of Rava would come out from Lot and his daughter, and he knew that the soul of Rava, if it came from Lot, and that descendants, and it's a descendant of that family, that means that Lot, that when Lot is captured, that means Rava is also captured, and Rava is also in danger of not surviving. And says the Arizal, when Avram Avinu went to save Lot, because Lot was trapped, trapped in that soul of of uh, Lot in that dark place and he hadn't come out yet 
Avram Avinu going to save Lot was not really just to save Lot, it was to save oral, all of the oral Torah, to save Rava. The soul of Rava would come out of this, would come, he's a descendant of Lot and the younger daughter, and therefore he was trapped in that place. And Avram Avinu going, risking his life to save Lot, was not really to save Lot. It was to save Rava. Look what the Arizal says. And he again, Arizal points out that it's written very funny. Ben Achi Avram is, it should say, Ben Achi Avram. But it says, Rechusho Ben Achi. Why is it written so funny? Kvar Hodaticha says the Arizal, The soul of Rava comes, Mishorish Dinam Hamonis Bas Lot. From the younger daughter of Lot. And this is why the Pasuk is written that way. Rechusho ben Achi, the first three letters is Rava. Rechusho ben Achi, Rosh Tevis Rava. That when Lot was captured, they took, who did they take? They took Lot, Ves Rechusho ben Achi, they also took Rava. So Avram Avinu went to save the oral Torah, which is Rava. It's an amazing thing. Vyatsa menu Rava. Now, that's point number one. The Megala Muga is also a big Mekubal, huge, huge tzaddik of a Mekubal. He writes in Parshas Noyach. So the Megala Muga writes like this: We know that where was the written Torah given? It was given at Har Sinai, right after we left Mitzrayim, which means Klal Yisrael had to go to Mitzrayim in order to receive the written Torah. So the written Torah was given to us after we left Mitzrayim. We had to go through Mitzrayim in order to receive the written Torah. The oral Torah was received, Dafke in Bavl. That's where Talmud Bavli. This says the Megal Mukha, it's an amazing thing. Based on what the Arizal says, that Avram Avinu's fighting to save Lot was really to save Rava. First of all, who was involved in the battle? The Melech of Bovel, Nimrod, is the Melech of Bovel, because it was Dafka, Avram Avinu fighting for the Lot, fighting for the soul of Rava. Dafka in Bovel was fighting for the power, it was allowing the Jewish people to you know everything Avram did makes it easier for us. Avram Avinu being Moise Nefesh and having that Mulchama made it easier for Klal Yisrael to be able to tap into the Oral Torah, and therefore Dafka, the soul of Rava, who's the author, Ravaya Sabaiva Rava, Rava is the, is the is the is the example of the oral Torah. Therefore, his soul is captured, and Avram Avinu fights for his soul. What he was really fighting for was the oral Torah, and therefore the battle takes place against the king of Bavel because that's where the oral Torah will eventually be uh, flourish. Right before that, we all know that Avram Avinu, when he gets to Eretz Yisrael, what what happens right away? He goes to Mitzrayim, right? Because there's a famine. He went to Mitzrayim. So says says the says the Megalamuka is Avram Avinu going to Mitzrayim was fighting for the written Torah, and therefore Avram Avinu going into Mitzrayim made it easier for Klal Yisrael to survive Mitzrayim in order to receive the written Torah. So Avram Avinu was fighting for the written Torah, and now he's fighting for the oral Torah. Avram Avinu goes into Mitzrayim in order to allow us to have the written Torah. And therefore right after that, there's a battle involving the king of Bovel, because it was a battle, now that you got the written Torah, now it's a battle for the oral Torah. Okay. What do you see from this? You see an amazing thing. That Rava's soul was trapped in the soul of Lot. That he was in that dark place. 
and he was in danger during this battle of being destroyed. But he came out eventually, came out again in a weird union, but eventually his soul is saved, and it's revealed, and he came. But the sight is that, that Lot's, that Rava's soul came from the soul of Lot, trapped in that dark place, not the classic, you know, two from people and they have a child. That's not where Rava's soul uh, stems from. It stems from that dark, dark place called Lot, and has that weird union with his daughter, and it's Dafka where his soul comes from. The truth is, the Svarim tell us that many of the teachings of Rava stem from this Yisoyed, knowing that Rava, and this is why it's fascinating, and you can go through, and when, whenever we continue to learn Gemara, and we continue to have Rava's name come up over and over and over again, have this knowledge, and it's illuminating, it changes a lot, it explains a lot. So now we're going to go through one, two, three... Uh, maybe four or five Gemaras, five different Mamari Chazal that Rava himself said that I think now with his knowledge I think it could be uh, very fascinating. There's an interesting Gemara in Chagiga. The Gemara in Chagiga that Tesvava Medez. Darish Rava Rava made the following drasha. What does it mean? There's a very cryptic Pasuk in Shir Ashir. And the Pasuk says in Shir Ashir in Perek Vav, Pasuk Yud Aleph El Ginais Ego is Yeradati I went down to the Garden of Nuts to see the green plants of the valley. So I went to the Garden of Nuts. What is this referring to? So Chazal understood that Egos, the nut, is actually an allusion to Tzadikim. Tzadikim are called a nut. Says Rava, Why are Rabonim compared to an Egos to connect to a nut? to teach you. Just like if you have a walnut. Right, which has a hard shell. If it falls into something disgusting, you don't throw out the nut, you rinse it off because the inside flesh is still protected. So to Rabbi says, even if you have a Tamil Chacham who makes a mistake, and he does things that are not perfect, you don't have to give up on him, and you don't have to throw out his Torah, because there's a shell, there's a protective shell. Meaning... Rav is te- comparing a Tamil Chacham to a nut, and just like a nut can go into a very dark place, but come out that inside there's a point of perfection, so too, so too, just like a nut has that point, so to Tamil Chachamim there's a point, and even if externally they're trapped in a dark place, you don't give up on them, and this is true for all of Klal Yisrael, that all of Klal Yisrael compared to this nut, that even if there's a dark, they're in a dark place, deep down there's a point of perfection. You know what the site is? Therefore, it's Davka Rava who says this because he himself felt it. He himself, he himself experienced that when his soul was trapped in the soul of Lot, in that Russia called Lot, he felt that he was externally like uh, covered in dirt. But deep down, he knew there's that point in perfection. There's that point of perfection. And therefore, Rava is telling you that every time a Chacham is like me, just like I was in that dark place, but don't give up. So to be able to find light in the darkest of places, therefore it's very apropos that Rava himself makes this drasha. It's eye-opening. Instead of this random weird Gemara about walnuts and Tamidah Chamim, you see that Rava himself, he lived through this. That he was, that no one would look at that union of Lot and his daughter and think, oh, all of oral Torah is going to come from this. There's another Gemara. The Gemara Nedarim, Daflamid Beis, tells us that one of the reasons why 
Klal Yisrael were punished to go into Mitzrayim, to go into the years of Mitzrayim, it was a punishment due to, on some level, a punishment of Avram Avinu for what Avram Avinu did. What did he do wrong? So the Gemara says that when Avram Avinu went out to battle in the war to save Lot, his, he, had stud- he had servants who were learning Torah, and they stopped learning. He got them to stop learning in order to fight. It was Bittal Torah. So as a punishment for being Mavatal Torah, he went out to the Klal Yisrael were punished to go to Mitzrayim. So there's a Taina, there's a complaint against Avram Avinu that, his, that he, he was Mavatal Torah in order to save Lot. Let's defend Avram Avinu for a second. I heard this once from a Weinberger Shlita many years ago. I think 26 years ago he gave a share. You could find it online. I don't remember from 26 years ago, but I heard it, uh, I heard it like 10, 10 years ago, something like that. I was in Eretz Yisrael, I remember many, many years ago I was listening to the share. I used to have tapes back then. So, anyway, so, Rav Weinberger said like this, let's, define, let's defend Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu is Mavatal Torah from his servants in order to save Lot. The Gemara had a taina against him. Now, if Avram Avinu did it, obviously he had a rationale. What's the rationale? Why is, why is it, uh, why are you allowed to be Mavatal Torah for this? But now that we understand that Rava was trapped there, which means that by me Mavatal Torah, in order to save Rava, is it really Mavatal Torah? It's not Mavatal Torah at all. Because in order to save the Torah, you had to break the Torah. You see, there's a concept, a very rare concept, which is called Bituloi Ze Kiyumoi. Eis Lasis Lashem Heferu Teresecha. Which means, in order to save the Torah, sometimes you have to break the Torah. The most famous example being of this is that we know you're not allowed to write the oral Torah down. There's an Isser of writing the oral Torah. So how do we have Mishnayis and Gemara? So says the Gemara, In order to save the Torah, because people were not remembering the oral Torah, in order to save it, you have to break it. Which means, now that you understand that, Saving Lot was not just Lot, it was saving all of, all of the Oral Torah because Rava's soul was trapped there and Avram Avinu knew it. Therefore, Avram Avinu getting his students to stop learning Torah is not Bittal Torah because Bitulei Zehokiyumai. It's breaking the Torah in order to save the ultimate Torah, which is Rava. It's Eis Lasis Lahashem Hefeir Torah Who is the one who says that you're allowed to break the Torah in order to save the Torah? Eis Lasis Lahashem Hefeir Torah Who is the author of that? You all guessed it. It's obviously it's Rav. Rav himself darshaned Eis Lasel Hashem because he saw it with his own soul that he saw Avram Avinu being Mavatal Torah in order to save him. And it's not Bittal Torah because it's in order for this Torah to be learned. It's like taking a break in order to learn more. Rav himself darshaned that because that's what happened with him. Avram Avinu stopped his students from learning Torah in order to save Rav because Rav is the source of all of the oral Torah. Now the real kash is, and it's not for now, is then the why does the Gemara have a taina on Avram Avinu? But that's the defense of Avram Avinu. Let's go weiter. We find another Gemara by Rava. This is a Gemara in Nazir. The Gemara tells us that we know that Lot lived with his two daughters, and he had a grandson, a, grandson, a son, grandson, I guess it's uh, both, Ammon and Moab. Now, Ammon and Moab, we also know, the halacha is that if an Ammoni man or a Moavi man convert to Judaism, they're not allowed to marry a regular Jewish woman. They have to marry um, a convert like themselves. They can't marry, they have to marry like an Ammon or a Moav. They can't marry a regular Jew. A woman is allowed to, meaning if a Moavi woman converts, she's allowed to. That was Rus. But the man is not allowed to. Rava says in, in Nazir, 
that one of the reasons why HaKadosh Baruch Hu made it that Amon Amoav is not allowed to be married into the Jewish people. We all know the Pasuk says it's because they didn't help us when we left Mitzrayim. But Rabbi says it's in order to punish Lot for what he did. He lived with his daughters and therefore his embarrassment is going to be revealed to everybody that everybody will know Amon and Moav cannot marry a Jew. So Rabbi is making a drasha sort of blasting Lot. The Gemara says, What does it mean? Achnafsha mekiryas oiz. A brother that's offended is harder to, to win over than a strong city. Umadinim kivriach armon. And their arguments are like bars of a castle. Achnashim kiyoyze loit shapir shavram. This entire Pasuk in Mishlei is referring to loit. Umadinim kivriach armon. Shehitl medinim kivriach armon. That because of loit's argument, which made him separate from Avram, which made him eventually live with his daughters, that created a separation between us and his descendants. Like bars of a bars of a bars separating a, a cell, because and that's why we're not allowed to marry his his einaklach. What does it mean? Latava yevakish nifrad. He separates for his own desires. That lot that's referring to lot because he separated because he he wanted to he wanted to follow uh, Gashmias and he didn't want to be with Avram Avinu. gala and his sins are revealed. Shen is gala page. Not allowed to, you're not allowed to marry them, and therefore it's in order to embarrass them. So let me question, why, why is Rava doing this? Why is Rava blasting Lot? So this is the aside. There's a teaching from Rav Eliezer Pua, a Talmud of Mami Panu, that we know that in the Haggadah, we start with Betchila uh, Obdei Avodazar, we talk about how Terach did Avodazar. In addition, the beginning of the ninth parak of Sanhedrin describes how every Jew has a chelik in Olam Haba, except for some. There's some Jews that don't have a chelik in Olam Haba. Now, now let me ask you a question. Why is it? The Gemara over there tells us that while the Pasuk tell, while the Mishnah tells us every Jew has a chelik in Olam Haba, then it lists some don't. You know, Gechazi and Menashe. The Gemara tells us over there that while it says they don't have a share in the world to come, they still do. Everybody has a share in the world to come. So even the ones that it says, Every Jew has a share in the world to come because there's two relationships you can have with Hashem. There's a relationship that can be built and can be destroyed, and then there's an inherent love which is unbreakable. So while you're able to destroy one relationship, there's an aspect of your relationship with Hashem that's unbreakable. So says the Gemara, Every Jew has a share in the world to come, and even the ones that we say don't have the share in the world, they still have a share in the world to come. I mentioned once an interesting uh, teaching from the Rikanti. The Rikanti was one of the Rishonim. He was a big Mekobol. And he said that um, he was once exercising a Dibbuk. And that Dibbuk, he asked him, what Averis did you do in your lifetime? And the Dibbuk listed a lot of terrible, terrible sins. Some of the sins were so great that you would lose your share in the world to come. So he asked the Dibbuk, What's going to be with you when I uh, when I exercise you? So he said, I'm going to Ilam Haba. I'm going to my share in the world to come. So he said, I thought you don't have a share in the world to come. You did certain averis that you lose your share. So the Divik said, yeah, although I lost my personal share, there's still a communal share, meaning Hashem still always gives everybody a share. So you see that it's possible. It's definitely a metzius. So the kasha is like this. The Benishchai talks about this. And the Revelazer Nachman Pua also asked this. If you're telling me that every Jew has a share in the world to come, everyone, then why does the Mishnah list that some don't? So the Gemara says even the ones that don't still do. So why are you saying negative things about them? So says the Ben, ben, ben Yoyada, 
and says, Rav really they have a share in the world to come, so why do they say they don't? He says, that itself is part of the tikkun, that itself is an atonement. The fact that every Jew reads that Mishnah and thinks that they don't have a share in the world to come, that itself atones for their mistakes. It's an atonement. So to over here, Lot has the scathing Gemara. Rava has a scathing Gemara about Lot. The question is why? The answer is, it's Hakar Satayv. Because Rava was trapped in the soul of Lot. He has a fondness for Lot. He wants Lot to be forgiven. Part of the atonement for Lot is to have Gemaras that are blasting him. Because that itself is embarrassing for him. And that itself atones for him. So Rava Dafka did it. Rava Dafka is revealing it because Rava is looking out for Lot and he's trying to protect Lot. One other Gemara. We find that Rava, throughout Shas, deals with wine. The Gemara in Megillah, one of the most famous Gemaras of all time, Davzayin Amabez, Amar Rava, Machai, Vinish, Lapsume, Bepuria, a person has to drink wine on Purim, Adela Yada, Ben Arahaman, Barach Mordechai. Until you don't know the difference between Barach Mordechai and Arahaman. So Rava introduces this concept that a Jew has to drink wine on Purim until he doesn't know the difference. We also find a Gemara in Barachas Taflamid Hay that Rava have a shasi chamra komali yoyme de pischakech de nigra libe that Rava also would drink wine Erev Pesach in order to make himself more hungry for matzah. Rava's involved with wine. Why is that? So let's explain. We know that Rava came from that union of Lot and his daughter. What caused Lot and his daughter to be together? The Pasuk says that they got Lot drunk. But the Medrash tells us something amazing. The Yalkut Shemini writes, Where was the wine from in the cave? It was time they brought wine. Says the Medrash, This wine was set aside by Hashem because Hashem wanted Lot to be with his daughters because he wanted this 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 union to happen in order to bring about with one the soul of David Amelech with through Rus and with one the soul of Rava. The Farkadish Baruch put wine there. It was the Ras and Hashem. So says the Shvili Pinchas. He says something amazing. Hashem wanted to use wine to be the vehicle to bring about the soul of Rava coming from this dark place. And therefore, in order to reveal the greatness of wine, Rava himself is the one who darshins the greatness of wine. And not just the greatness of wine, about how a Jew has to drink wine on, on Purim in order to, to show that there's no difference until you get to the point where there's no difference between Haman and Mordechai because Rava, Rava lived it. Rava is the Mordechai found within the Haman of life. And therefore it's Dafka wine that revealed that. And therefore Rav himself is the one who darshins wine as sort of like Hakar Satayv to the wine that was used, which people could look at as a negative thing, but HaKadosh Baruch who used that wine in order to bring about this great Tikkun, which is the soul of Rav. Therefore Rav himself darshins the greatness of wine and how you're supposed to drink wine on Purim because to, uh, to the point where you don't know the difference between Mor- Baruch, Mordechai and Arahaman because sometimes there's a, a Mordechai in Arahaman. And that's what Rav was. Now I just want to point out take a side for two two minutes why is it that the soul of Rava and the soul of Dov and Amel come about in this, such a strange union that Rava which is all of oral Torah and Dov and Amel, which is Mashiach comes about from this strange dark place of the Lord and his daughters so the truth is it's not for now I once gave a shir about this a couple years ago 
that the truth is all of Mashiach, all of salvation comes from very strange things. You have Lot and his daughter, which leads to which leads to Davin and Melch. Davin about Shev is a strange thing. You have Yehud and Tamar. Even Moshe Rabbeinu's parents were not allowed to be together because the Medrash tells us that, first of all, Moshe's mother was a niece, was, was an aunt. Yechavid was Amram's aunt, which is not allowed according to Torah. But even that, when they got divorced, the Medrash says that, right, Yechavid and Amram got divorced, Yechavid married someone else and had two, had, 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 had two, 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 uh, uh, two children, Eldad and Medad. Which means she married someone else and then remarried him, which is not allowed. So the answer is the Torah wasn't given yet. So I think all these salvations are coming from such dark places. It's such a strange thing. It says two pshatim amongst the mafarshim. The Gemara in Yuma tells us Why is it that Shol's kingdom didn't last? Why is it that Shol was the king who was one time, but Davin Melch's kingdom is forever? It says the Gemara because Shol was too perfect. In order to lead Klal Yisrael, you have to understand the, the difficulties of the average Jew, and you have to be able to you have to be able to sort of experience that darkness. You have to be able to to know what it's like to have skeletons in your closet. David Melch had difficulties. David Melch came from a dark place. And therefore, the reason why the soul of Rav and the soul of Dovin Melech comes out from this place, and the souls of Mashiach in general come to this place, because that's the point. In order to appreciate Klal Yisrael, in order to be a leader, you have to be able to go through that dark place and understand what other Jews are going through. And therefore, Rav, all of oral Torah, has to come from that dark place. It can't be too perfect. Secondly, the second reason is from Rav Wolfson, that he says... There's such a concept that Mashiach comes from a dark place. That way, the the Malach, the, the Satan, will, won't won't fight against him. The Satan won't fight against him. No one would see it coming. So to it is with our generation. Our generation is no one would see it coming. That our generation would be the generation that would usher Mashiach. It's a mechazagas that we know that we're like the soul of Rav. Great souls trapped in a very dark place. You know, there's one more Gemara I'd like to end with this. The Gemara in Daflamid Aleph tells us that after a person dies, they ask him certain questions. One of the questions they ask is, See peace of the Yeshua. Did you await salvation? Did you await to be saved? Did you await to reveal who you really are? Did you await to leave that dark place? Who is the one who taught See peace of the Yeshua? We all know it's Rava. Because Rava was See peace of the Yeshua. Rava was trapped and Rava was waiting, waiting to be revealed. That's all of our life, all of our lives. We're all we're all the souls of Rava just waiting to come out, waiting to come out as Hashem it should happen very, very soon.